Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Well, good morning, everyone. We're back in the book of Revelation. We're going to be looking uh, at chapter 16. And uh, we are now, we have been looking at these seven bowls of God's wrath. So, again, to set the stage, this is the end of time. This is the end of the earth. And uh, we are seeing these last seven bowls of God's wrath being poured out over the world and in in distinction from the trumpet judgments that we saw earlier in the book of Revelation, these bold judgments are now complete. They're now total. Everything is being destroyed. And interestingly, at the same time of all these terrible, complete destructions of creation, man still is cursing God. Now, some of these people are going to be making it through. We've seen that there's going to be 144,000 of the nation Israel that have been sealed. They're going to be making it through all this. And and others, other Gentiles too. But you're seeing people also cursing God. Let's jump in. The fourth angel, this is verse 8, the fourth angel poured his bowl out onto the sun. It was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give Him glory. Isn't that what we look at today? Now, we're not going through these kind of things, but the things that we have in our life are from God as well. They're designed to trials and tribulations. They're designed to get our attention to make us want to repent also. There are opportunities to get our priorities back, to repent of our evil ways and deeds. And, um, yeah, some people will repent and others won't. So that's what we have to look at also. But just amazing what it's like. And as McGee says, it doesn't take a whole lot to start scorching the earth. Maybe a little bit, a few degrees here or there, closer to the sun, or uh, a few layers of atmosphere, and the Earth is so fragile it will it will be on fire. 
And um, yeah, so sometimes we take our position even in space for granted. Verse 10, the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in um, in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. So the fourth angel was pouring out his bowl on the sun. This fifth angel pouring out his bowl, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's on the throne of the beast and its kingdom. So this is over Satan's throne. Okay, and and remember Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Well, Satan is in darkness. And again, it shows the power of God over Satan, over his kingdom, over his throne. His throne is now on, on the earth. Remember, he was thrown out of heaven. God's wrath is over his throne. And we have... Um, um, we're seeing God's power over Satan's power easily. And uh, God is light. Satan has no light. He is just darkness. And that's who he is. That's what he is. And the throne of the beast now is in the darkness. Just like it's the picture of Pharaoh. You know, um, Darkness came over the, 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 it was the ninth plague on Egypt, my study Bible says, and McGee was teaching. So it's the last day before the slaughter of the firstborn, you know, people. Um, and it was uh, this darkness over his throne. And it was compelling this hard-hearted Pharaoh to, to you know, to repent, to release the Israelites, to change his heart. Okay. So, um, again, this darkness is a, is a strong call for repentance again. But, but as we say, people nod their tongues in anguish and curse the God of heaven for their pain. This is verse 10 and 11. For their pain and sores, they did not repent of their deeds. Okay, so verse 10, a call to repentance, just like he did in Egypt when he was given plagues there, but the people didn't repent. Verse 12, the sixth plague. The sixth angel, I mean, verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Now, the the um, the Euphrates River has been featured very prominently throughout the Bible. It's you know it was in the Garden of Eden back in Genesis. The great river Euphrates was you know along the the river where uh, Babylon you know was founded. Uh, they built their ancient Babylon um, relied on the Euphrates River. For its defense, and of course, they uh, Babylon, this impenetrable city, was finally captured because the um, the armies there, uh, in a in a dream, realized that they could 
uh, dam up the river, block the river, the riverbed would be dry, and then they could simply march into the city. Uh, so Babylon fell the first time because the river Euphrates got blocked or the riverbed gets dried up. Isn't it interesting that the great river Euphrates gets dried up again? And again, to prepare the way, just like the in invasion happened before, this great river um, Euphrates gets dried up again to prepare the way for kings coming from the east. Now, kings coming from the east is sort of this um, build up. My study Bible says build up to this battle. It's getting ready to come. So we begin to see uh, a little um, movement here in uh, for mankind here in the middle of all this these plagues and, and things coming down. Nobody's repenting. So these kings coming down, they're probably coming um, uh, to fight a great war or to fight a great battle. But in any event, kings are coming. And I saw coming, verse 13, out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are demonic spirits, performing signs, who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God, like the God, the Almighty. Now, it says, well, we've got this reference to the dragon, the beast, and the prophet. Now, before we've had the dragon being Satan, and then we had uh, a reference to... Um, Two beasts, one coming out of the sea, one coming out of the earth, um, the, a political leader, and then a religious leader, a false prophet, a false Christ. So the, the, this is the two beasts from the Satan, uh, from Satan. And it's almost like, again, and we've said this before, we've, we have sort of an analogy of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit from Satan's side. So Satan, you know, like God is the Father, the Holy Father. Satan is sort of like the the, the Father, uh, the unholy Father. And then you've got um, the Son, which is Jesus Christ, who is both God and man, who is who is both a uh, great uh, King, the King of the world, but also um, a, a great the great prophet. He's the great religious leader. He's the great high priest and king. But with Satan's son, quote unquote, unholy son, you have it two people, not one person. So you have a, a, a beast who is a political leader and also a, a beast who's a false prophet. So it's a religious leader. So you have that. And then... Um, then you've got this analogy. We've had this analogy uh, up until now, uh, like you've got the Holy Spirit. And then on the other side, on Satan's side, you've got this unholy spirit, the spirit of the Antichrist. And we've said before, John warns us that the spirit of the Antichrist is any spirit that denies Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so he, he says, beware, the spirit of the Antichrist is alive in the world now. And um, this spirit, these three unclean spirits, uh, is almost kind of like the the um, the uh, Holy Spirit 
And now we've got these uh, unholy spirits. Now, are they frogs? Uh, McGee, you know, McGee says, are, are these literal frogs? Or are these sort of a representative of things? Like, could this be representing kind of an unholy spirit? And McGee says, you know, it could be frogs or um, the thing that makes him think they're probably not literal frogs is the fact that they are like frogs, three unholy spirits like frogs. And so they're sort of um, spirits and they're, they're like frogs in the, in, in the sense that uh, frogs were, um, they were unclean and they were sort of representative of um, curses uh, back in, in Moses' time, uh, even when they were um, plagues on, on, um, on Egypt. So, uh, in any sense, uh, we've got these demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle. Okay, so we've got these demonic spirits, and they are sort of, um, they are assembling the whole world. The whole world may be sort of delusional at some point that they're going to be coming against the nation Israel. So, these... um, these spirits are sort of um, working with the great um, unholy political leader and the unholy religious leader that are sort of the uh, human form, human manifestation of Satan, just like Christ was the human manifestation of God. But we've got the unholy spirits working around the world to assemble all these world powers for this great day, for the battle on the great day of God, the Almighty. Okay, now we're in verse 15. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. This is sort of like, hey, behold, look here, appreciate this. You know, God says, I'm coming like a thief. Okay, so I'm coming when people don't expect me, and the people on guard here, it's better that you have your garments on. Now, garments could mean that garments are being clothed with the righteousness of Christ, okay, because of the battle that is here. You've got to keep your the Word of God, keeping your garments on keeping your righteousness of Christ on. So that is the, you know, we were talking in Ephesians chapter 6 about being clothed in the righteousness of Christ, keeping your garments on. And so that is uh, a a meaning here. And another meaning is, uh, as McGee says, that sleeping guards, if you are caught sleeping while you're on guard, your clothes were burned, you were set on fire, and you had to run away naked. So it was a form of shaming the guard who fell asleep. So either way, blessed, this is one of the blessings here that we see. We we have these uh, seven blessings that we get in the book of Revelation. This is one of those seven, and I believe it's the, the third of the seven blessings. So blessed is the one who stays awake. You know, and it's a, it's a call for us today. Stay awake. Keep your garments on. Verse um, 16, And they assembled them at the place in that in Hebrew was called Armageddon, 
Armageddon in Hebrew, it means Mount Megiddo. And this Mount Megiddo in ancient Israel was not even a mountain. It was a plain, but it was also the site of some key battles. Uh, and apparently this place is the site of the final battle between Christ and Satan. Now we come to verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne. This is from the throne of God saying, it is done. Now, McGee says this is most likely Christ speaking in a loud voice. Christ is in control. He is in control of the judgments. He has been given authority to judge. He's the only one worthy to open these seals. And McGee helps us remember that on the cross, it was Jesus who said, it is finished. And now, he is saying, it is done. He said at one time when his work on the cross was finished, and he's saying it now when his work on the earth is done. Verse 18, and there, and after he said that, you know, when Jesus said, it is, um, it is finished on the cross, there was an earthquake. And now, when Jesus says, it is done, the second time around when he's doing his work here on the earth, there's a great earthquake. Verse 18, And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on earth. So great was that earthquake. It was, it's almost like a scene after Christ died on the cross. You know, you had a great earthquake, lightning and rumbles from heaven. You get the same thing, except this is much worse. So, we are getting a very intense uh, picture. We've seen the battleground of Armageddon. We're seeing the last uh, bowl, and it's poured out into the air. And McGee makes that point that this is the air itself, space itself. Christ has authority over that as well. So, we're going to stop here and turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing what you've got to say today. So for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Revelation chapter 16, beginning at verse 9, all the way to verse 17. So I'll begin from verse 8 into verse 9, and scripture reads, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. So the Lord Jesus Christ predicted that there would be signs in the sun in the Great Tribulation. And we had actually spoken about this in our study yesterday. And if we turn to the book of Luke, that's Luke 21, verse 25. It reads, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on earth, and on the earth, distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea, and waves roaring. So the Old Testament had a lot to say about the judgment in the Great Tribulation. 
due to the excessive heat of the sun. And we have this in the book of Deuteronomy 32 verse 24, which reads, They shall be um, wasted with hunger, devoured by pestilence um, and bitter destruction. It will also send against them the teeth of beasts with the person with the poison of serpents of the dust so um and we also have isaiah 24 verse 6 which reads it's also talking about the signs um from the sun and the moon so isaiah 24 verse 6 reads Therefore, the curse has devoured the earth, and those who dwell in it are desolate. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burnt, and few men are left. So this is a fulfillment, sorry, this is a frightful period in which Isaiah actually states that the earth will be decimated at that time. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, except those days should be shortened no flesh would be saved so um his own meaning his own will actually shall be saved so just christ said concerning his own so the sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night so this promise is not um very meaningful for us today but it will be of a great comfort to the believer in that day in the great tribulation period so here we are told that in spite of all of this suffering men still blaspheme the word of god and this actually shows that the human heart is incurable man is stubborn and you know there's no amount of punishment uh, that will actually purify and change man's heart so this just goes to show, like, you know, the church is not going to go through the Great Tribulation period because the Great Tribulation period is not a period of purification as some um, expositors tend to think and talk and preach. Um, the time of the Great Tribulation period is a time of judgment and not um, purification. So the Great Tribulation period is uh, not hence for the church. So it is not stated anywhere that the church will actually go through the great tribulation period um so the great tribulation period is a judgment upon the earth and not a purification for um uh, for god's saints uh scripture goes on to read in verse 10 and 11 then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. Verse 11, they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and did not repent of their deeds. Okay, so here we now have the fifth ball of wrath that's poured out. So the throne of the wild beast makes it clear that the wild beast... Uh, that was that we read about in Revelation 13 is a man, and you know, for there to be a kingdom, there also has to be a king. So, 
and the world beast is the man and he also has a kingdom so his kingdom was darkened so it's it's not a regular darkness it's a strange darkness which uh might be called black light so one can't see anything but it's light so the sun's wattage is increased during this period and it's uh, darker instead of lighter so the heat will be greater but the light will be less so there is a similarity to the darkness of egypt during the ninth plague so the old testament prophets had a lot to say about this plague and isaiah joel amos nahum zephaniah and here john is saying this is um where it actually fits in uh it fits into the program of god in the great tribulation period this darkness this plague that's this wrath that's poured out this bowl of wrath so the lord confirmed it he said in those days after the uh, that tribulation the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light so they um no um and, and here uh, scripture the verses i read that it reads they know their tongue cause of the pain so there will be a lot of suffering in that day because of all of the bowls of wrath but this doesn't still affect man because he's stubborn and he it doesn't affect man and his wickedness and his deep depravity does not turn to God. So there are two facts at this point. Um, so the first is God is righteous in pouring out the bowls of wrath and the second is Jesus Christ is the judge. He is in charge and he is handing out the punishment. So men are not led to repentance by suffering. And Paul spoke of this. Um, you know, because man's heart is hard. And despite all the suffering and the punishment, they are not led into repentance at all. And um, scripture goes on to read in verse 12, that the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. So we have the pouring out here now of the sixth ball of wrath. The Euphrates is called um, the Great River here, just as the Mediterranean Sea is in the Bible is called the Great Sea. So the prominence of the Euphrates River in God's word should not be overlooked. So it was first mentioned in Genesis 2 and is um, designated over... 25 times in scripture and in the verse it's seen in connection with the sixth plague in this verse that we just read and it's prominent with the first uh, state of man on earth and is also features in his last state of man that is um, the great tribulation period so it was the cradle of man's civilization that's the Euphrates, and will obviously be the grave of man's civilization so it was a border between east and west flowing um 1800 miles that's over half of it is navigable so it's wide and deep and it makes it very difficult for an army to pass over it and um abraham was called a hebrew and some 
interpret this as meaning he came from the other side of the Euphrates. So Euphrates, it was um, the eastern border of the land God promised Abraham. And if we turn to Joshua 1 verse 4, it reads, um, Okay, Joshua... Just quickly turn to the book of Joshua, um, where I marked it right. Okay, okay, there we go. So Joshua chapter one verse four reads: From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea towards. The going down of the sun shall be your territory. So here, um, it is, um, you know, the land that uh, God promised Abraham. And um, it became the eastern border of the Roman Empire. So the Euphrates will be miraculously dried up, erasing the border between east and west. And the kings of the coast might come to the battle of Armageddon. And scripture goes on to read in our study, that's verse 13 and 14. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to get them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. So we have here now an interlude between the sixth and the seventh, you know, um, series. Um, so we have um, had breaks in, like in the, in the series of sevens that were given, and. Um, these breaks are filling in the details. So, um, and here, um, just to make a mental note, Dr. Majima, he said, you know, the battle, it wasn't a battle, the battle of Armageddon, it was a war. So it's, it's a war of Armageddon. And um, let me just read this out, and that's in verse 15 and 16, it says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, Least he walk naked, and they see his shame, and they gathered them together to the place called, in Hebrew, Armageddon. So between the sixth and the seventh ball of wrath um, is this interlude that I talked about um, just a few minutes ago, and John has followed this particular program and method of doing things. So this book divides itself. It's easy. It's divides itself. Um, so the seven performers being the exception, you know, uh, with the interlude. So with the seven performers, we didn't have the interlude. The interlude came at the end um, after we read the seventh um, series. Um, so Armageddon is not a single battle, but a war, like I said earlier. And it's triggered by what Dr. Jim McGee thinks uh, is when Russia comes from the north in the middle of the tribulation period. Yeah, so this is going to happen, like, yeah, just in the middle of the tribulation period. This, 
three and a half years into the tribulation period. So the campaign extends the length um, of Palestine to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. Yeah, and the mountains of Edom. So it will continue for three and a half years and it will be concluded by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven to establish his kingdom. So we have, so we actually are introduced here to the Trinity of hell. That's Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet who act in unison and forcing the nations of the world to actually march against Israel in an attempt to destroy God's purpose on earth. So God had promised Abraham and those after him, and he gave certain promises and he made certain covenants with these people, and those covenants will stand just uh, as John 3.16 stands for us today. So the frogs, you know, were literal in the plagues of Egypt. They were literal in Egypt and here. They could be literal, but they could also be a symbol as it says um, here, unclean spirits like frogs. So uh, John makes it clear if he wants it to be a symbol. Um, and if it's, if it's actually just literal, he makes it clear. So here it says unclean spirits that are like frogs. And today we, if we look today, if we look around today, we have seen that, you know, the news media can become a propaganda agent to carry out the purposes of uh, men in the background and they can brainwash the public and this is exactly what the trinity of evil will do so they will have the nations of the world um, marching against israel and today we have you know a lot the news media peddling propaganda and just brainwashing people and people believe anything that they see read and hear and that's what's going to happen in that day so the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one that can stop this. So their help does not come from the north, nor the south, nor the east or the west, as this is where their trouble is coming from. Their help comes from the Lord um, Jesus Christ. Um, the, the ruler of heaven and earth. And verse 15, let me just read again. It says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So he never comes as a thief to the church. No, he says to the church um, in First Thessalonians 5, 4, which reads, um, Okay, it says, But... You brethren are not in darkness, so this, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. So he doesn't come as a thief in the night. Um, he doesn't come in darkness, so he doesn't come as a thief in the night to the church. The church is looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. So, you know, just like if you put it in application today, no one looks forward to a thief. Like, we don't... You know, just leave the doors open and leave a note for the thief and say, oh, I've left the door open. You can come in and take whatever you want. No, uh, a thief is an unwanted character. A thief is never welcome. So the church welcomes him. So the church looks forward to that glorious appearing. Like they're ready for him. It's the non-believers who are not ready for him, who will be shocked 
and surprised because they don't want the Lord Jesus Christ to actually come. Like in the beginning when we started the book of Revelation, you know, they were all in awe because they are not, they do not want him to come here on earth and establish his kingdom and reign. And um, scripture here says he speaks of those that keep their garment. Here it says, blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment. So um, the Kachim said something interesting about um, the people who are in charge of like, um, keeping watch outside the temple. Um, you know, if the temple priest or head goes around and finds this watch person, watchman sleeping, you know, they would um, smack him or burn his shirt and he would <clears throat> run around because his shirt has caught fire. So this is the garment of righteousness here that's being talked about, the righteousness of Christ. So we are to be sure we have on the right garment. That's the garment of righteousness. And Armageddon here is a war. Um, Dr. Jim McGee has mentioned, you know, where exactly it's located and all, and there will be the war of Armageddon. In verse 16, goes on to read, And they gathered them together to the place called, in Hebrew, Armageddon. So we see the only occurrence of the word Armageddon in scriptures here. And this is one of the most fertile valleys in the world. And it's there. Um, um, and, you know, at this place, uh, there has come so many people. There has been Nebuchadnezzar, the Assyrians, Napoleon, um, Bonaparte. The Gentiles, the Christian Crusaders, the anti-Christian Frenchmen, Egyptians, Persians, Turks, Arabs, you know, a whole lot of um, people have been there. And scripture goes on to read in verse 17, and I've also extended to verse 18. It says, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and the loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there was noises and thunderings and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such as mighty such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on earth so here now we have the pouring out of the seventh bowl of god's wrath and this is the last series of seven judgments before the coming of christ and this is the seventh of the last of the last seven so we are at the end of the great tribulation period the only one at this point that could deliver these people and set up a righteous kingdom on this earth and bring peace to the world is our glorious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So he pours out upon the air. So that is, this is space. And, you know, there is no graphical location given here so lord jesus christ controls space and then the temple um here has been mentioned again and again and it's mentioned here again um here it says the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple it's mentioned here again so we have identified with the people now that um so, sorry, we are actually identified with the people now that, um, you know, and, and these, the temple is identified with Israel. So they will go through the Great Tribulation period. That's the 144,000 who are sealed. They will make it, and a great company of Gentiles were also sealed, and they will also make it 
through the Great Tribulation period. So the church won't be here if it have already been raptured. So God has two ways of actually saving, um, you know, in the Great Tribulation period and out of the Great Tribulation period. So in the Great Tribulation period, he saves by taking them, um, by sealing them, sorry. Um, so saving them in it as he actually did to Noah. He sealed Noah, he protected Noah, and he will, do, uh, he will seal his servants. And then he also has a way of protecting them out of the Great Tribulation period. That's by taking them out as he did Enoch, and he will do this to the church. So here, scripture says, a great voice came out of the temple um, of heaven from the throne, saying, it is done. So the voice is not identified, but it's actually safe to say and to assume it's um, the voice of God. And it, and this voice says it's done. So this is the second time he's saying it on the, uh, he's saying it. So on the cross he said it's finished. So it's finished, it's a finished redemption. And it's up to you to actually accept God's finished redemption or to actually um, go into eternal damnation. So, you know, as scripture says, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? If you just look at what Christ did for you and me, that's a great salvation. So how can we neglect, how can we, ex how can we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? There's no other way but through the blood of Jesus Christ who died for you and me on that cross in order to save us from our sins. So this is our teaching for today, our lesson for today. Thank you all for listening in. It's great. It was a great lesson. God bless you and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.